on these three lives. Welcome, listeners, to the 53rd chapter of the QAnon Anonymous podcast, The George Soros Episode. As always, we are your hosts, Jake Rokotansky, Julian Fields, and Travis View. Welcome to a very special episode of the podcast. We're going to be tackling the Thanos of the QAnon and broader right-wing worlds, Jorge Soros himself. Now, if you've hung out in anti-Semitic circles, hey, who hasn't? then you probably have heard people throw the man's name around. The face of the Jewish octopus enveloping the globe with its tentacles. George Soros is a massively wealthy hedge fund manager, survivor of the Second World War, student of philosophy, and democratic megadonor. He even speaks Esperanto due to his father's love for the language. In fact, the name Soros means to soar in Esperanto, which is why his dad chose it to replace the family's somewhat more Semitic former last name. So we'll start by exploring the Soros phenomenon on face value, and then we'll dive into the extensive QAnon theories about his life work and beliefs. Quick, Jake, say something Jewish. Matzo ball. <laughs> <laughs> Not even. Not even. <laughs> I could have done better. QAnon News. Uh, for this edition of QAnon News, uh, I want to go over the FBI intelligence bulletin that warned about conspiracy th theory-driven extremism uh, in a bit more detail. Uh, because I've seen a lot of people misrepresent what it says, um, the FBI intelligence bulletin is from the Bureau's Phoenix field office, and even though it was released uh, recently, uh, the bulletin itself is dated May 30th, 2019. Uh, one of the most interesting things about this FBI document is the fact that we are seeing it at all. It was clearly not intended for public consumption. In fact, the document is marked Law Enforcement Sensitive, or LES. Uh, here's how that document describes that designation. The information marked U slash LES in this document is the property of the Federal Bureau of Investigation and may be distributed within the federal government and its contractors. Uh, U.S. intelligence, law enforcement, public safety or protection officials, and individuals with a need to know. Uh, distribution beyond these entities without FBI authorization is prohibited. Recipients are prohibited from posting the information marked LES on a website on an unclassified network uh, without first obtaining FBI approval. I guess we needed to know. The entire fucking country needed to know. <laughs> this yeah. is not a fucking op, boys. Uh, definitely not an op. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that that is, that is. I mean, th there is a real mystery. Like, why did this thing get leaked at all? Why, how exactly did Yahoo acquire this document? Is there someone in the FBI yeah. who uh, was doing some sort of, uh, you know, pulling an Edward Snowden and thinking, oh, my God, the world needs to know this information? Uh, no or fucking chance. No, this is All them right. leaking it to, to. This is them leaking it to look like they're doing some sort of work around these fucking people yes. who keep shooting everybody. Yeah, exactly. All right, I will not trust the FBI. I refuse. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, the other interesting thing about this document is that, by its own account, it is the first time that the FBI has warned about the dangers of extremism motivated by conspiracy theories. And, you know, there, recently there's been a lot of debate about whether or not we are actually living in an especially conspiratorial time or not, or if it just like seems like it because it's all online and it's sort of like out in the open. 
And I, I feel like the FBI, if, if they're raising questions about crimes as a consequence of conspiracy theories, then it does seem to uh, indicate that life is especially conspiratorial now. Yes. Yeah. I mean, certainly the way we interpret it has become that way. And it's hard to distinguish the way we process information from the way we consume entertainment at this point, which is why I'm you know, not entirely certain I could make that statement. Uh, but I mean, whatever the fuck it is, whether it's our brain rotting or the reality rotting and then we're perceiving it, it it's not good. I think it's a, it's like a platform, you know? I mean, if you spoke to people 20 years ago and you told them everybody was going to be on Facebook, they wouldn't believe it. And now uh, it turns out everyone created an account on conspiracytheory.com and uh, we yeah. have the app and we're fucked. Yeah. And it's, and it's beautiful. It's a great thing. It's good I for the country. It. I'm I happy. It's good for Julian. Especially good for Travis. I feel um, really good. I'm really happy for both of them. I think that um, there's going to be a lot of growing and a lot of learning. You know, I've felt uh, depressed at times in my life, even empty, <laughs> lacking meaning. But since I found this podcast, I've been getting up every morning and shoving stuff up my ass. There you go. <laughs> so here's what that FBI document says about the threat of conspiracy theories. The FBI assesses anti-government, identity-based, infringed political conspiracy theories very likely motivate uh, some domestic extremists wholly or in part uh, to engage in criminal or violent activities. Uh, this assessment is based on events in which individuals committed crimes, uh, plotted attacks, or successfully carried out deadly violence, and who, uh, either before or after their arrest, attributed their actions to their conspiratorial beliefs. Uh, these events include instances in which perpetrators intended to kill groups identified by such theories as hostile and malevolent, or simply to carry out dangerous, unlawful acts in an effort to draw attention to expose a perceived conspiracy. The FBI has been working for <laughs> decades, since its inception, to destroy black people and lefties. And that is, why? Because they believe in a conspiracy theory, that fucking communists are taking over and that black people are inferior. <laughs> They're the fucking enforcers. Yeah, we'd, like to, uh, we'd like to turn the magnifying glass around on ourselves, actually. And... <laughs> 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 and uh, discuss uh, some of our, our hatred and uh, fear of the African-American community. The document offers this analysis. Uh, although conspiracy theory-driven crime and violence is not a new phenomenon, today's information environment changed the way conspiracy theories develop, spread, and evolve. The advent of the internet and social media has enabled promoters of conspiracy theories to produce and share greater volumes of material via online platforms that larger audience of consumers can quickly and easily access. Uh, based on increased volume and reach of conspiratorial content due to modern communication methods, it is logical to assume that uh, more extremist-minded individuals will be exposed to potentially harmful conspiracy theories, uh, except ones that are favorable to their views, and possibly carry out criminal or violent actions as a result. Uh, the Internet has also enabled a crowdsourcing effect, uh, wherein conspiracy theory followers themselves uh, shape a given theory by presenting information that supplements, expands, and localizes its narrative. So, boys, you know what? Because information has completely flattened at this point, all things written by boomers are the same. So, Brett Stevens is writing FBI, the FBI <laughs> is writing Brett Stevens, and all of them say shit like, The advent of the fucking Internet. It doesn't mean anything, and the world's getting worse, and these people are not going to do shit. They're going to write paragraphs. That is the entire boomer solution. Now, this, We're going to write now, paragraphs. Julian, that's unfair. This is a uh, well-constructed paragraph with not too many <laughs> run-on sentences. Um. <laughs> uh. Yeah, it's not a full Jim Watkins, I'll give you that. I think it's interesting, yeah, that's basically the FBI saying, it's like, yeah, everyone's getting red-pilled, and like uh, that 
that uh, that bit about like the crowdsourcing effect of conspiracy theories. I don't know if they were thinking of Q Research, the uh, RIP, you know, but uh, but uh, it, that is describing Q Research to a T. That was like how how Q Research work. They they bounce these conspiracy theories off of each other. They shape them. They sort of turn them into really strong narratives, and they sent them out into the world to to spread further. So yeah, that is that is exactly what's going on. It, 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 that's interesting. What everybody's doing, and I'm and I'm noticing it on on you know, on both on both sides is um they will they will take a fact and they will twist it slightly. Either they'll infer that it means something more than what was actually quoted, or they will sort of make a generalization that they believe that the fact implies. And, and and then – but that's just the very beginning. That's like the first 0.5 seconds of the analysis is sort of like twisting the fact. And then what they do is they build an entire thought structure and proof system and like verification system based off the inferral as opposed to with the actual source material. It's really fascinating to see because it's, it's just these tiny little tweaks – to the language or the dialogue, and then they build off that as as opposed to whatever source material that initially sort of prompted, uh, you know, their uh, conspiracy. Yeah, it's just it's paragraphs, and there's fucking footnotes in the margins, dude. I'm yeah. telling you, that's all that exists now is just paragraphs. And 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 boys, okay, I've got a pitch for you guys. Okay, it's a reboot cool. of the X Files. Okay, and Fox Mulder is pouring over aerial shots of the Epstein mansions. And on his wall, it says, I want to believe. And it's just a portrait of Epstein. <laughs> what do you guys that's, think? That, We're going to fucking, it's, that's, that's it. That is the aliens. I'm going to put the, I'm going to put that in the pitch. It's brilliant. Pedophiles are the new aliens. You guys, Epstein is fucking dead. Epstein is fucking dead. It is, it is, it is insane. It's like, oh, it's like, it's like, I always feel like, like, of course it had to happen. Of course he had, of course yeah, he couldn't I mean, we, fucking yeah, go to court. Of course, of we fucking knew. Of course. And then you see, you see the, like the New York Times reporting about uh, Epstein, um, like, uh, like, like there's like lots of shady shit going on. It looks like, like he, he was not uh, checked on every half hour like he was supposed to. He no. was taken off of suicide watch. Uh, there's yeah. lots of fucking shit. You think there's enough money in the fucking federal budget to have a guy sit in front of him all the time? You think maybe we could do that to the highest profile fucking sex trafficker in the world under Trump? Under Trump. QAnon thinks Trump is trying to stop human trafficking and he let fucking Epstein die. Get it together, man. These people are all pedophiles. Here's what I think. You, You got these guards, right? And they're making probably shitty salaries to fucking guard this dude or whatever. All of a sudden you get a text from Hillary Clinton that's like, hey... I'm going to put $1 million in your account, and all you have to do is go take a shit right now. <laughs> that's what, yeah, I mean, that's what you yeah. got to do. All you got to do $10 million is you go shit. and you let that shit fall into the toilet. Drop out you of wipe the your ass. ass. Yeah. You look at your phone, look at Twitter. I don't give a fuck. But you go. You go take that shit. And you know what? You know what? He wasn't taking a shit in a toilet. He was taking a shit directly in the mouth of the American people. Agreed. Yes. Agreed. For a measly sum of $1 billion. Okay. So we're recording this just for full transparency the day after we recorded the that Epstein fucking struggle session episode. And it's only coming out like a week from now. Yeah. So this is going to sound very strange to all of you, but we are still fucking 
popping on that Epstein juice. We are I fucking. Mean, I am. I have loaded Epstein into my jewel. I am fucking huffing it. I'm falling asleep on my Epstein body pillow. Yeah, like yeah. Normally, I'd like be like talking it's, down off the red pill, Jake. But yeah, there, there's like there's 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 there are unanswered questions. Let's say there are there's like I want to yeah. I want to know I want to know what those guards' bank accounts look like. <laughs> I want an investigation. I want to know I what their bank accounts look like too. Their families' bank accounts. We thought this show was the next generation, boys. We thought we were going out into space and exploring this world. But boys, it was Voyager. We've been transported way far away from home, and we have to make it back to not being red pilled. <laughs> yeah, God, it's quite a journey. Jesus, uh, as my as my friend Brian said in the group chat, he uploads a picture of like a skull, of like a skull king or something, and under it he goes, he goes. Sorry, guys, I'm still processing how fucked this Epstein business is. It's like I know what it's like to be Jake. I.e. quote Bush did 9-11 quote Benghazi quote Pizzagate is real quote we live in Carcosa (laughs) it's like all my buddies are finally like hitting me up and being like holy shit dude I know what it's like to live in your head now because like I have the same fucking questions that's the cue of dream right they all dream of that day when like like, everyone turns to them be like oh you were right the whole time teach me master show me what the world is really like I've been such a fool imagine how now like we everyone went through the great awakening and they didn't wake up in QAnon these they're gonna be so fucking pissed (laughs) like my fucking god and there is this is this is definitely a great awakening because in the 60s and 70s as, as we talked to Matt Chrisman about um, there was a, a big wave of conspiratorial thinking because there were all these injustices happening you know yeah. all these cointel pro like kind of right. that kind of stuff happening all these ops and this is this is it we're back in a new era of that I mean there will be a before and after yes and and not like the the 1996 uh, adaptation uh, slash mystery uh, starring Meryl Streep and Liam Neeson, unfortunately. What? <laughs> it's called. I'm not familiar it, with this one. What is it? It's called Before and After. <laughs> yeah, it's a real movie. Uh, the lives of Carol Ryan, a small town doctor, and her artist husband are shaken up when their son Jacob becomes the prime suspect in the death of a local teen girl. Uh, that sounds kind of fun. I yeah, mean, it I, actually it, does kind of sound good. Is the script so bad that that star power couldn't carry it into the, the light of day? Yeah, it's sitting at a, at a measly 32% on Rotten Tomatoes as I, as oh I my check my God. internet box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not one for, you know, like trusting like meta grades, but Jesus Christ, 32%, Jake. I bet if that um that beautiful mind that has been compiling uh, all of this stuff, all of these films that you mentioned, if, if, if you went and took the average, the Rotten Tomatoes average, I want to see how low that number is. Do you think it'll even clear 50? <laughs> that would be very interesting, yes. On that note, as we enter this new, uh, more conspiratorial age, just like we did in the, the 60s and 70s, uh, here is the last paragraph I'm going to share from that FBI document. And it's subheadlined Outlook, and I I found it particularly chilling. Uh, Here's what it says. The FBI assesses anti-government, identity-based, and fringe political conspiracy theories very likely will emerge, spread, and evolve in the modern information marketplace over the near term, fostering anti-government sentiment, uh, promoting racial and religious prejudice, uh, increasing political tensions, and uh, occasionally driving both groups and individuals to commit criminal or violent acts. 
uh, because some conspiracy theories are highly partisan in nature. Uh, political developments, including those surrounding major election cycles, such as the 2020 presidential election, likely will impact the direct of these conspiracy theories and potential activities of extremists uh, who subscribe to them over the long term. So one thing I wanted to sort of clarify about this document is that you know, a lot of people like John McAfee, for example, were misrepresenting it. And they were saying that um, that the FBI was labeling uh, conspiracy theorists or QAnon domestic extremists. And that's not the case. There's no labeling of any individual group as sort of like as uh, uh, extremist or terrorist or anything like that. What, they're just saying that they're saying, I think accurately, that there is a danger of of conspiracy theory driven extremism, which is, I think, an important distinction. Yeah, definitely. Yep. Yeah, no, this was a very beautiful paragraph, and I love your paragraph. Thank you for showing it to us. I think many, many Anons are probably perfectly happy to, you know, troll the boards, <laughs> uh, you know, write paragraphs themselves. <laughs> I would, I would not. I would not. I would not like it if the FBI just started like saying that conspiracy theorists are domestic extremists. That's that's a fucking slippery slope. That that's just that's just uh, that's yeah. just license to uh, target and prosecute anyone who who questions the government. So, but that's not what this document is saying. Uh, I think we are sliding down a slippery slope already. It's just about speed uh, and angle at this point. So yeah. uh, why not accelerate it? Fuck it. Yeah, if our bus if our bus uh, reaches uh, 50 miles per hour, uh, it absolutely will explode. Uh, what if uh, what if it's like back to the future? You reach 88 miles sliding downhill and you fucking go back in time to like when slavery was legal. <laughs> Sadly and and hilariously much more realistic, unfortunately. Marty, these people don't even know we killed Martin Luther King. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Little note from your producer. The audio on this episode has some crackling here and there and some popping of peas. Shouldn't be too distracting, but just thought I'd let you know in advance. We'll be back to our usual recording digs by next week. Thanks, everyone. George Soros with... Julian Field. Georgi Schwartz was born in Budapest, Hungary on August 12, 1930. His mother struggled to complete the birthing process as his fully developed horns briefly prevented a smooth exit. <laughs> I, was, I was a bit spicy in this one, not gonna lie. I'm supposed to be the facts guy, but fuck it. Yeah, man. Not one to lay down his arms, George Soros, as he would come to be known, survived the Second World War in Nazi-occupied Hungary. In 1947, he emigrated to the UK after growing sick of German cuisine. He followed this by completing a bachelor's degree at the London School of Economics, an institution known for its robust pedagogical programs and false flags and communist infiltrations. As is the want of creeps like him, George then obtained a master's degree in philosophy. His passion for banking led him to work for multiple merchant banks in the UK and the US. These specialized in commercial loans and investment. In 1969, as others were busy spreading STDs in the mud while listening to degenerate music, George studied The Blade by launching his first hedge fund, Double Eagle, which I'm pretty sure is named after a John Woo movie. <laughs> Yeah, if it is, I haven't seen that one. Its profits uh, funded a second hedge fund dubbed Soros Fund Management only a year later. Now dual wielding, George renamed his first gun to Quantum Fund because it sounds cool. 
Between 69 and 2011, George grew Quantum Fund from $12 million to $25 billion in assets managed. Holy shit. In 1992, George Soros headshotted the pound by shorting the currency during the Black Wednesday UK currency crisis, netting him a cool billion dollars in the process. Black Wednesday, if you don't know what was caused by the conservative government at the time, failing to keep the value of the pound above the agreed lower limit defined by the European exchange rate mechanism, which that just all sounds fucking made up. Uh, the cost of the crash was estimated at 3.4 billion pounds. Uh, George's actions... Holy shit. Yeah. George's actions would earn him the moniker, the man who broke the Bank of England. Oh, my God. I mean, this goes back directly to old uh, uh, conspiracy theories about the Rothschilds. And they speculated that uh, the Rothschilds um, basically exploited the downturn of countries and profited handsomely from them. Right. Damn. I'm not here to red pill you on George Soros, but he does this a few times. Oh, God. So a rich Jew uh, <laughs> uh, hurting in, uh, individual independent countries. Well, that's, uh, that's not great. No, it's not, it's not what's happening. My thesis, as you will see, is that he is a piece of shit, but he isn't really that Jewish. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. He's one of the fake Jews. So, so the guys on vote are right. He's one of the fake Jews. <laughs> He's culturally Jewish. Who's doing evil, but not like me, yeah. a good Jew that's, that's thoroughly red-pilled. And willing to slaughter my own. George Soros is a is a mixed bag, you know. Kind of as I went along in the research, I had all kinds of different emotions because obviously the right wing understanding of George is all fucked up. But there's a like George is a bad, very rich person uh, who does very good things as well as terrible things. Like you know, I mean, he funds Jared Holt, and at the same time, he tanks the entire British economy. <laughs> Exploited the tanking of the British economy. Let's say which is different. Well, we will see, my friend. We will see. Oh, dear. George uh, has developed a philosophical framework for economics throughout his life, mostly based around Karl Popper's theory of imperfect understanding. This uh, fed into George Soros' broader pet concept of reflexivity. Now, I'm going to play you a little clip from an interview George did with Franz Lacqua of Bloomberg. It's kind of long, but I, I think it captures the ideology driving George. And, and that's how I came to this uh, recognition that economics uh, ignored this fundamental difference uh, between natural phenomena and social phenomena, phenomena because in natural phenomena, uh, the imperfect understanding, uh, uh, which, which is, uh, is part of human nature, Inav uh, unavoidable uh, uh, doesn't enter in, into the the sequence of events that you are studying. So you can actually establish uh, universally valid laws which can be used both to uh, to um, predict and to explain. Uh, you also have uncertainty principle in in physics. Uh, uh, but this human uncertainty principle is an additional uh, source of uh, uncertainty. So when uh, Heisenberg uh, discovered the, the, uh, the uncertainty principle, it didn't change the behavior of the uh, quanta uh, that uh, it was referring to. Mm -hmm. 
uh, whereas in when you uh, discover a, a, a theory about social affairs, it actually it can change society. So when, let's say, uh, Karl Marx uh, proposed his theory of history, it actually changed his history. The alchemists uh, made a, 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 a big mistake when they tried to change the behavior of uh, uh, metals uh, by abracadabra. Uh, they should have gone into the financial markets because th <laughs> there you actually can change uh, the, the sequence of events uh, by abracadabra. Holy shit. <laughs> it certainly sounds like George is saying that your actions can change by abracadabra the market. And honestly, the short uh, position that he took against the British pound did have a deleterious effect on the British pound. That's that's kind of how short positions work. They stack and they stack and they modify. Yeah, that's yeah, that's uh not not helping his case, let's say. Oig no, Oigavald. Not, not right now. George has been criticized for this abracadabra philosophy, with many accusing him of contributing to the formation of crises with the intent to profit from them. Economist Paul Krugman, who, I, whatever, he's a piece of shit, but he said this in 1999. Nobody who has read a business magazine in the last few years can be unaware that these days there really are investors who not only move money in anticipation of a currency crisis, but actually do their best to trigger that crisis for fun and profit. These new actors on the scene do not yet have a standard name. My proposed term is Soroy. So alongside his love of poppers, George champions liberal ideals. He often explains that these values were acquired during his time in Nazi-occupied Germany, specifically under the guidance of his father, who taught him to take risks and help others. In 1944, the Nazis barred Jewish kids from attending school and told the kids to check in with the Judenrat, or Jewish Council. Soros would later explain, I was told to go to the Jewish Council, and there I was given these small slips of paper. I took this piece of paper to my father. He instantly recognized it. This was a list of Hungarian Jewish lawyers, he said. You deliver the slips of paper and tell the people that if they report, they will be deported. And yeah, his dad seems like a cool guy, and, and George actually participated in some of these really uh, amazing ops uh, to basically save uh, kids and, and help everybody make it out. George would later call 1944 the happiest year of his life because it allowed him to witness his father as a hero. By that time, the Schwartz family had switched names to Soros as anti-Semitism grew in Hungary. This technique would also get the Soros family through the occupation. They purchased papers stating their Christianity. Soros shorting currencies and profiting from crises would net him a lot of criticism throughout his life, including from the Prime Minister of Malaysia. During the 1997 Asian financial crisis, Mahathir stated that it was, quote, A Jew who triggered the currency plunge. 
He would later apologize and withdraw his statement after hanging out with Soros in 2006. Soros' argument to Mahathir, one he would reiterate throughout his life, is that he based his currency shorting activities on what he perceived as a misperception of the markets. George has described the belief that markets regulate themselves as, quote, ideological excess, and instead espouses the view that optimism and pessimism in markets, quote, actually can reinforce themselves so that there are these initially self-reinforcing but eventually unsustainable and self-defeating boom-bust sequences or bubbles. He basically claimed that his analysis of the boom-bust cycle allowed him to place the winning bets, albeit on the fall of a currency, not the rise. Mm. Soros, as is the case with all hedge fund managers, is allegedly, and in my opinion, a white-collar criminal. He was accused in 1988 of using inside information to bet on multiple French companies, including the Société Générale Bank. He was eventually fined 940,000 pounds in 2006, 18 years later, after losing a lengthy appeal process. Other than this typical hedge fund management shit and his predilection for betting on the failure of entire currencies, why has George become the boogeyman of choice for those on the right? An August 2019 article by Talia D. for Right Wing Watch attempted to figure out exactly that. Quote, George Soros, billionaire investor and philanthropist, has recently been the target of much ire both in the United States, where he is a naturalized citizen, and in his birth country of Hungary. National leaders such as Hungary's Prime Minister Viktor Orban and U.S. President Donald Trump have both promoted anti-Semitic treatment of Soros by their supporters. Talia goes on to examine the Open Society Foundations, or OSF, George's main philanthropic and political outlet, as well as the CEU, a graduate institution dedicated to, quote, socially and morally responsible intellectual inquiry. Here's uh, the article again. Over the course of his life, Soros has donated over $32 billion to the Open Society Foundations, OSF, which he has founded to advance the causes of civil society and democracy around the world. In Hungary, Soros founded the Central European University, or CEU, and has supported numerous organizations to advance the rights of Roma, LB, LGBTQ people, refugees, and other marginalized peoples. Now, Right Wing Watch, and, and this, is, this is not me, this uh, was the author bringing it up, is a project by People for the American Way, which has received Soros bucks. That's just worth noting for the potential conflict of interest. I read the article, and I, I'm certainly the passages I've selected, uh, they don't feel particularly partisan. They, they're kind of just factual. So one thing Talia notes in her article is the dual status of Soros as an insider and an outsider to his critics. Soros is simultaneously portrayed by the far right as a foreign investor meddling somewhere where he doesn't belong, and the local Jew who is depicted as placing his loyalty to his people before his country. Now, if you've listened to the podcast or paid attention to politics in the last few years, you may have noticed a marked increase in the use of the word globalist by right-wing commentators and activists. Talia gives some context to the word. The term globalist is used by anti-Semites as shorthand for the idea of a global Jewish conspiracy for power and control. The resurgence of anti-immigrant sentiments and policy in the United States and Hungary have led many on the right to claim or intimate that Soros is attempting to weaken the countries from within and replace white people. Now, if you've heard this before, it's because the white replacement conspiracy theory is alive and well, finding a new lease in our current hell world. Some have gone as far as accusing Soros of directly funding migrant, quote, caravans. 
The Tree of Life synagogue shooter referenced Soros in his manifesto, and the white replacement conspiracy theory featured heavily in the writings of the El Paso shooter. Hungary's far-right government under Viktor Orban went as far as publishing a list of, quote, Soros mercenaries containing 200 names. It included Hillary Clinton and John Podesta, of course. In 2018, the Hungarian government straight up passed a, quote, Stop Soros law, which made it illegal for civil society organizations to help migrants in any way, even if it's just with asylum applications. As part of their campaign against Soros, the Hungarian government even put up signs stating, quote, Don't let Soros have the last laugh, text adjacent to a giant picture of Soros. You know, normal shit. In May of 2018, Soros Open Society Foundations moved their HQ from Budapest to Berlin due to what the organization called an increasingly repressive uh, vibe in Hungary. Soros does have a long and moneyed role in European politics. He has time and again invested millions in various left-wing causes, usually humanitarian, or with a focus on science and education. Now, in this case, I say left-wing, but I, I just mean liberal. But that's not really the only reason why people hate him. On that note, the Right Wing Watch article also contained a cool quote by Hitler. If the international Jewish financiers in and outside Europe should succeed in plunging the nations once more into a world war, then the result will not be the Bolshevization of the earth and thus the victory of Jewry, but the annihilation of the Jewish race in Europe. In 2011, Soros was briefly accused of somehow funding the Occupy movement, a claim that was soon debunked by Reuters, who had stoked suspicion in the first place by publishing an article <laughs> entitled, quote, Who's Behind the Wall Street Protests? Their retraction article it. was entitled, quote, Soros, not a funder of Wall Street protests. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's the thing with Soros. Like, he's garbage kind of on face value other than, you know, the way he pours his money into some of these more, um, you know, more like humanitarian causes. But then everybody can't help themselves. They have to go that extra fucking mile and, and lie about him or make it about, you know, him being Jewish. In 2017, the FBI reported a 37% rise in anti-Semitic violence. In 2018, Cesar Sayok sent shitty, non-functioning bombs to many Democratic figures and addressed one to George Soros for good measure. Georgie has been accused of funding the 2017 Women's March, the gun control activism of the Stoneman Douglas kids, and the protests against the appointment of Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh. As well as this podcast. Absolutely. Although this, I, I guess this episode is kind of going to prove that we're not really taking that money, huh? Yeah, I think so. This is good. I want more Anons on our side. Bill O'Reilly has called him, quote, off the charts dangerous. Breitbart loves to write about him. A nice panoply of right-wing shitheads have accused Soros of being a Nazi collaborator, uh, which is spurious at best. Uh, these included Alex Jones, Roseanne Barr, Donald Trump Jr., James Woods. Dinesh D'Souza, and Louis Gohmert. Just all the fucking most beautiful people out there, huh? Erdogan has called George Soros a, quote, famous Hungarian Jew and accused him of, quote, assigning people to divide nations and shatter them. The link between Soros and the Democratic Party is real, of course, but only as real as any mega donor's relationship to their party of choice. In 2004, Soros made his first dent in American politics by donating over $23 million towards the effort to defeat George W. Bush. He also made sizable donations to MoveOn.org and America Coming Together. At the time, Soros described defeating Bush as the, quote, central focus of my life and, quote, a matter of life and death, specifically in regards to the war on terror. 
honestly, this is pretty badass. Like fucking, I'm with him, man. George, people, people obviously rag on Trump, but my God, man, the, the, the damage done by the Bush administration and the fucking starting of the war on terror and the Patriot Act and oh yeah so bad so much bad stuff happened oh, during yeah. those eight years jesus christ after bush was re-elected in 2004 soros joined other donors in contributing to a fundraising group called democracy alliance dedicated to advancing progressive structures in the usa soros in 2009 turned his attention to underprivileged children in the state of new york contributing 35 million dollars to the cause i mean he is a legit philanthropist um but you know what, boys? So was Epstein. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. Now, I'm not at all trying to make any kind of analogy here, but it, being a philanthropist does not wash your hands of, like, being a garbage human being in the rest of your life. He was one of the donors who helped launch the Center for American Progress, and in 2012, he supported a pro-Obama Political Action Committee, or PAC, to the tune of $1 million dollars. In 2013, he got involved with Hillary and eventually donated a million to a PAC for her campaign. Recently, Soros began gearing up for 2020, from an article by Maggie Severns for Politico. Democratic megadonor George Soros is creating a super PAC called Democracy PAC to serve as a hub for his 2020 election spending. Soros has so far put $5.1 million into the PAC, according to paperwork filed with the Federal Election Commission on Wednesday. His $5.1 million contribution was the single biggest check any megadonor has cut so far during the 2020 election cycle. Soros' move to open the new PAC hints that the billionaire financier may be poised to spend heavily in the 2020 elections. <laughs> of course he is. The $5.1 million that Soros put in the PAC more than doubles the $2.1 million he had donated to political causes at this point in the 2016 elections. He would eventually give more than $20 million to Democratic politics during the 2016 race, making him one of the party's biggest individual donors. And I think the by last count, he's the 29th most rich person in the world, and he's the number one richest hedge fund manager. His political activities in Macedonia, Belarus, Georgia, the Ukraine, and Russia, among others, are well documented and have been met with various levels of opposition and praise. Kazakhstan and Turkmenistan have banned a few Soros-backed pro-democracy initiatives. He is absolutely pouring money into American politics, but this isn't an isolated issue. Massive corporate and financial figures are constantly pouring in exorbitant amounts of money into politics, both national and local. The singling out of George Soros by the right usually has a nice anti-Semitic flavor. Indeed, his status as a Jewish figure seems to catalyze right-wing hatred like no other. The funny thing is, George Soros is actually pretty bad at being Jewish. He was born to a family of non-practicing Jews, and he's even jokingly described their situation as a, quote, Jewish anti-Semitic home. So, like Jake, basically. <laughs> oh my god. He doesn't even like Israel all that much, once stating to the New Yorker, quote, I don't deny the Jews to a right to a national existence, uh, but I don't want anything to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> He's kind of a player on Israel, dude. I fucking got to give it to him. That's such a great one. Soros has even gone as far as funding NGOs that have been critical of Israeli policy, including involvement with the Boycott Divestment Sanctions Movement, or BDS. After being accused of anti-Semitism, Soros clarified his stance in an article for the New York Review of Books. 
I do not subscribe to the myths propagated by enemies of Israel, and I am not blaming Jews for anti-Semitism. Anti-Semitism predates the birth of Israel. Neither Israel's policies nor the critics of those policies should be held responsible for anti-Semitism. At the same time, I do believe that attitudes towards Israel are influenced by Israel's policies, and attitudes towards the Jewish community are influenced by the pro-Israel lobby's success in suppressing divergent views. But no matter, it's too late. George Soros is seen by the right as one of the biggest villains out there and as a Jew. And that probably won't change until he dies. And then it still won't change, but at least there's going to be one hell of a party. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, what's probably going to happen is that they're just going to find a, a new rich Jew who's the boogeyman, you know? I mean, it was like it was the Rothschilds before, yeah. and uh, they, it was fixing. And then we had this other, uh, you know, um, you know, rich Jew who was involved in liberal politics. Yeah, so it's just going to be the next rich Jew on the list. He's going to be the boogeyman. Who will replace George Soros? Who will finally take their place on the matzo ball throne? Yeah, so George Soros, I'd say, is a land of contrast, boys. There is all kinds of stuff going on there. Yeah. Yeah. He's a fascinating figure, to be sure. But yeah, I mean, focusing on him instead of, like, the Cokes or fucking whatever is a complete joke. I mean, every single one yeah. of these people are criminals, um, <laughs> allegedly, course. and pedophiles, allegedly, allegedly. Of course. Yeah, oh, yeah. There, there are lots and lots of rich philanthropists, lots and lots of political financiers, but, but uh, uh, people focus... Uh, on him for some reason yeah for some weird reason but I, like i said he's not even fucking like he's not even that jewish at all like and 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 so you know when that caller you know was was saying that he's a cultural jew what they really mean is again the anti-semitic uh concept that the jews are facilitating access to whiteness for you know black people arabs like all of the you know mongrel races in, in the white supremacist mind. QAnon presents George Soros with Travis View. In QAnon world, George Soros is one of the three major puppeteers of the world, along with the Rothschilds and the Saudi royal family. Uh, we've already covered the other two groups in previous episodes, so this, this will uh, complete the trifecta. But uh, every side of this triangle has a unique role in world control. Uh, the Rothschilds control all the banks, and the uh, Saudis allegedly control technology, oil, and the flow of children to the elites. And uh, George Soros <laughs> controls organizations of people to create division and or brainwash them. And uh, this is related to the classic conspiracy theory that uh, George Soros is somehow has the power to control just masses of protesters or immigrants. So he controls them like in StarCraft. It's like an RTS to him. Clicks and drags all the Antifa and just moves them wherever he wants them to go. Yeah, he tells them where to, to fucking Zerg swarm. So, yeah, so yeah, like whenever you see like, yeah, any kind of like left wing protesters or groups of migrants, you'll, you'll very frequently see like people claim that they're all being mobilized somehow by Soros. And uh, because Soros is just an absolute classic conspiracy theory, uh, he was mentioned early in the Q-drops. In fact, uh, Soros is mentioned in six of the first uh, 15 Q-drops. So here is Soros in the second ever Q-drop. POTUS knew removing criminal rogue elements as a first step was essential to free and pass legislation. 
Who has access to everything classified? Do you believe HRC, Soros, Obama, etc. have more power than Trump? Fantasy. <laughs> Whoever controls the office of the presidency controls this great land. Fantasy. <laughs> they never believed for a moment that they, Democrats and Republicans, would lose control. This is not a R versus D battle. Why did Soros donate all his money recently? Yeah, I find that line about, uh, do you believe Soros and friends have more power than Trump fantasy? That, that line really, really interesting because uh, it touches on something that I think makes QAnon distinct from like other conspiracy theories. And that is that in like in the QAnon narrative, there are these super powerful good guys who are an equal match to the super powerful bad guys. Like in all baseless conspiracy theories, there is a shadowy group of, uh, you know, people who are supremely powerful and competent and they're evil and they're doing bad things. And that's why they're able to control the world or collapse the Twin Towers or whatever without most people noticing. Uh, but but in most conspiracy narratives, they're so powerful and competent that regular people, they just have no chance against them. But the QAnon narrative is, is a little bit different because there's hope that this powerful group of bad guys will be defeated. Like here, Q states that this Trump character is even more powerful than the and competent than those shadowy figures. So Trump is this hero who alone has the power to defeat the evil clutches of Soros and company. There was also that line... Um, uh, why did Soros donate all his money recently? Q yeah, often just asks these mysterious questions, and Q followers, they come up with a bunch of possible answers. But in, this is one of those instances where they didn't settle on a single one. Though uh, the QDrop aggregator site, QAnon.pub, did offer this possible explanation. After the Saudi Arabia purge, George Soros' slush fund operation was severely hindered. A cash injection was probably required to maintain the bribes in place slash give another foundation that could be used to legitimize payments. There was also this October 29th, 2017 Q-drop. Why did Soros transfer his bulk public funds to a non-profit? Note, this doesn't include massive slush funds that are pulled by several higher-ups. Why did Soros' son have meetings with Canadian Prime Minister, and how is that related? To Clintons. Uh, QAnon followers speculated that Q here was saying that Soros transferred his money to a nonprofit in order to cause chaos globally in a way that wasn't easy to pin on him. But I don't know, it just, it just, just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. There was also that bit about like, uh, why did Soros's son have several meetings with a Canadian PM? Hmm. So that's a callback to the so-called Uranium One scandal, which, again, is not actually a scandal in real life. But uh, Uranium One happens to be a Canadian company. And so what Q is saying here is that George Soros' son, Alexander Soros, met with Prime Minister Justin Trudeau in order to help cover up the supposed Uranium One scandal. Now, there is no evidence that these meetings actually happened, but they ha they happened in QAnon world. So here Q is doing a few interesting things. Uh, he's planting the, the Canadian connection, which of course would later allow QAnon to start growing in Canada. Uh, Q is also connecting the uh, Uranium One conspiracy theory to uh, George Soros and a foreign world leader, which is basically implying that 
all conspiracy theories are connected in the conspiracy theory extended universe, which is basically sort of like a, a prime sort of connecting, I guess, the theme within QAnon. Just it's all connected. Everything you ever heard in the crazy conspiratorial world is true. And like QAnon is going to basically give you a map to show you how it's all connected. Q promises that George Soros, like all the other deep state traders, will face justice. Uh, but of course, it has to happen very slowly, and it can't happen in public. <laughs> no, uh, of course not. He's <laughs> of course not. You have more than you know. Do you expect HRC George Soros, Hussein, etc., to stand in a public courtroom with potential crooked judges and tainted liberal juries? How do you defuse a bomb? <laughs> <laughs> Knowledge of which wires slash strings to go. Okay, now hold on. Usually I love Q-drops. I find them very entertaining. But um, does anybody here uh, know of a bomb where one of the components is string? Yeah. No, yeah. Which string? That does not. Oh, my God. (laughs) I don't think. Bo- yeah, bombs have strings. Do you cut strings in order to defuse a bomb? That's, that doesn't sound accurate. Yeah. The supposed George Soros connection to Antifa is implied through several Q-drops. Uh, there's, of course, no evidence that George Soros finances or is otherwise involved in the activities of Antifa. But Q baselessly implies that George Soros is a secret Nazi, which is why he supposedly finances Antifa in the QAnon world. Here's what a uh, July 24th, 2018 Q-Drop said. Study Nazism. Like, like study it like really, really closely. Like read all of Mein Kampf. Like get some flags. <laughs> Take notes. Draw pictures. That's right. Compare slash contrast Antifa. Compare contrast socialism push. Push for rebirth? Who financed then? Who's financing now? Dr. Light. Good wins. Q. Q stopped mentioning Soros by name in November 2018. And uh, that last reference, it was reference to the argument that border security is a matter of national security. And therefore, President Trump has the authority to unilaterally secure the border. So uh, here's what that Q drop says. What vested authority does the Constitution grant a sitting president regarding matters of national security? Thank you, Mr. Soros. Q. Thank you, Mr. Soros. So, like, yeah, here Q is sarcastically thanking George Soros for sending migrants to the United States because uh, now it poses such a threat that Trump has the basically the authority to send the National Guard and secure the border. Basically, it was another one of those instances where where it's like, oh, oh, George Soros is trying to like 4D chess us in this in this grand game of like, you know, uh, you know, but uh, but Trump is outmaneuvering him. So, again, this this this. This epic battle between like yeah. Soros and Trump that 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 Q is spinning here. Yeah, if you if you made them sit across from each other and actually debate each other, it would be like yogurt hitting a tile floor. So, um, man, I I will say this about uh, you know George Soros in QAnon world. Like, I'm actually kind of disappointed that it. They didn't take the George Soros storyline farther than they did. Like yeah. the stuff about Soros controlling politicians and using open society to cause chaos in countries. 
that's some pretty basic, like, far-right conspiracy stuff. Like These people think chaos is like letting immigrants into a country, basically. Yeah. I mean, yeah. They, they consider it chaos if, like, there's a piece of garbage on the floor and they see a black person in 24 hours. <laughs> These people are fucking fascists and they deserve to all be... I want to... All right, come on. All Jesus right, come Christ. on. I'll... I'll I'll beep that shit out. <laughs> yeah, just because you're in France, you can't get it, and you're, we're not in the room to physically restrain yeah. you. You can't just <laughs> yeah, say yeah. your fucking violent fantasies. Coupez-leur tous la tête. Une exécution rapide. Une exécution propre. Ils vont tous crever. I don't know. I don't know what that means, but I don't approve. Uh, yeah, I think <laughs> I think that is a hidden verse uh, from the famous French hymn Frère Jacques. I'm not sure what the translation is, uh, but I know it's not good. I want to see like George Soros plotting to create the North American Union, or yes. uh, George Soros like forcing enslaved children to build underground Nazi bases or something. Uh, really, really insane, wild stuff. Uh, you know, like normally I can count on QAnon to bring us like the most bonkers conspiracy theories around, but just Q, I don't feel like they really brought their A game when it came to Soros. In a weird way, yeah, he's kind of just like a financial criminal and that's kind of it. He's not even like a good yeah. Jew, really. He's literally any other guy like him, except he's been through the fucking Holocaust and had a really cool father figure. Yeah. That's it. There's no fucking difference. He has compassion somehow built in because of his previous experience. Everyone else is exactly like him, except they don't do the liberal values shit. Yeah. Huh. Dear listener, you have been listening to the QAnon Anonymous podcast. Uh, we do not run any advertising on the show. Instead, we use a straightforward $5 monthly subscription system. And for that amount, you get access to a second weekly episode alongside all of the ones that we've already recorded. So if you feel so inclined, please visit patreon.com slash QAnon Anonymous to support us and help us become completely self-sustaining. From the bottom of our hearts, thank you. Come and chat with us anytime uh, on Discord, and that's uh, discord.qanonanonymous.com. Uh, it's free and open to everyone. It's a great community. We've got a lot of really funny, smart people in there. Um, they're just great to hang out with, so so come on down. Listener until next week. May the deep dish bless you. And keep you. It's not a conspiracy. It's fact. And now, today's auto cue. We're not a cult. A cult wouldn't tell you to think for yourself and to share ideas and to dig, dig for information. So people that are called anons, they, they're the ones that are researchers. They go down different rabbit holes to try to find information out. There's people that are up on Twitter. We all communicate with one another. And where we go one, where we go all. WWG1, WGA. We may never know who Q is, and that's okay, because the point is to keep the movement going, to eliminate the corruption that's in government, um, to get rid of the money that exists out there, like the people like George Soros that control a lot of things, and the Rothstein, the Rothschilds, 